Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty, for asset and occupancy solutions. Visit bullrealty.com. We have an incredible show for you today. We're going to talk about opportunity zones. And before you <laughs> go away here, this is really cool. This is like a 1031 on steroids. What if you could sell assets of almost any type and defer taxes on the gain and then the property that you invest in or business you invest in not pay taxes on that gain if you hold the property for 10 years this may sound too good to be true but we'll go into the details and uh, see if I'm wrong on these we have some great experts in the studio with us today please welcome Ricky Novak Ricky is CEO of the strategic group and he's here in studio one Ricky thanks for being with us again glad to be back and Tim Pollock and he's partner with Morris Manning Martin law firm and Tim's with us in studio one too Tim good to Appreciate see you being here Michael well the opportunity zone it almost sounds like it's too good of an opportunity to be, be true. Now, tell us, what is it and how did it start? So if you look at Opportunity Zone, you know, what you had is you know, the government really has been looking for more effective ways to kind of redevelop blighted areas because in doing so, what they believe will happen is it'll, number one, produce jobs, uh, and number two, uh, it will assist in really kind of having kind of mixed income housing, if you will, and, and having places for people to live. Um, and so you know, there are certain programs that have been out there over the time, you know, low-income housing tax credits, you know, arguably have worked fairly well well, uh, but this is an opportunity really for the federal government to incentivize the private sector to go into these blighted areas and do significant redevelopment, which hopefully really, you know, we all know when you build good quality real estate, it creates you know places for people to live and places for people to work. And that's kind of the, the hope and goal here. Let, and let it's all over it, the country, right? It's nationwide, but yeah. let me just make an editorial comment here. Before we get too stuck on blighted areas, mm -hmm. It uh, turns out that my townhouse is in a zone and many of our clients already had a pipeline of properties that they had under contract and lo and behold they find out it's in an opportunity zone. In fact, that's one of the criticisms that you'll find in Bloomberg and other reports is that the, the west side of Atlanta, for example, is already hot, yet that is in one of the zones. So I think people need to look at the geographic boundaries of the zones, they'll be surprised at some of the opportunities. Yeah, they might not be blighted at all. They might be, and plus, you want to skate where the puck's going anyway, right? You want to invest in these areas that maybe are going to improve down the road. So, so when did this start? So it's a concept that's existed since the Clinton administration, and it's been kicked around in Congress, but never really received a whole lot of traction. Uh, and then last year, there was a core group of congressmen that really pushed this particular uh, subject, and it was able to be worked into the uh, Tax Cut and Jobs Act that occurred at the end of last year. So it's a fairly new program uh, that that is really, people are just starting to get their arms around it and trying to understand it, even though the law was passed at the end of last year. In fact, it was a effective January 1 of this year and applies to reinvestments made after January 1 of this year. Okay, so what type of assets can I sell and defer gains uh, and look at opportunities and uh, There's benefits. a debate about that, but one thing that's absolutely clear, any asset that you sell that produces a capital gain, whether it be long-term or short-term, can be deferred by reinvesting the gain. And just to compare that, 
The nice thing about it is just the gain has to be reinvested to defer the taxation. You can wow. put your original investment back in your pocket. Wow. Yeah, it's really, and that's one of the reasons why people look at it and go, this, this may be a lot better than a 1031, because you only have to reinvest the gain. And in fact, you don't even have to reinvest your whole gain. You can elect to take some of your gain off the table, pay tax on it, and only invest some of your gain. Kind of to, to further Tim's point, the interesting thing as well here is, you know, for those that are familiar with the 1031 exchange, when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed, it modified the 1031 exchange rules so that now 1031 only applies to real estate. So if you sell real estate and you have a gain, you can consider doing an exchange. What makes the Opportunity Zone so interesting is not only does it apply to the sale of appreciated real estate that produces a capital gain, it can apply to the sale of an appreciated business, meaning you can sell appreciated stock, you can sell a partnership interest, or you can sell any other kind of appreciate a capital asset that would produce a capital gain. So the, the world of assets that can be sold producing a gain that therefore can invest in these funds is really, really pretty diverse and widespread. Okay. And these opportunity zones, so you, have, you can invest in real estate in the opportunity zones? Can you invest in businesses in the opportunity zones? Absolutely. Okay. Um, one of the hot areas that uh, tech companies they can locate their headquarters anywhere. But you can buy stock in a startup company as long as 90% of their business assets are tangible business assets are located in the geographic area of the zone. So a lot of people are saying, I'll invest in your business, but I want you to locate your headquarters right here. Okay, so you're deferring the taxes on the asset that you sold by investing in a fund that's, uh, that's buying real estate, developing real estate, or a business in the Opportunity Zone area. What about hold periods and the increase in, in, in value disposition of that, of that replacement property? So when you look at it, you know, there are some really interesting tax benefits associated with these investments. Mm -hmm. So number one, you, you know, we, we've said the word a couple times, but what is interesting is the taxpayer is required to invest in a fund. So it actually has to be a qualified opportunity zone fund that invests in qualified opportunity zone property. So what that means is, as Tim noted, 90% of all of the assets the fund owns must be within an opportunity zone. And so the fund can be a large diversified fund that has numerous assets, or it could be a fund that is simply focused on one particular opportunity zone, one particular geography, one particular asset type, or one particular asset. So again, there's a lot of diversity in what will qualify as an opportunity zone but fund. But not one principle. It needs more than one principle, right? right but that's, that's the one, beautiful one thing investor. about it. The word fund is actually a misnomer in the sense that you can have a fund with hundreds of investors in it, everybody pooling their capital gains, or you could just have a single asset, single partnership that consists, as long as it's a partnership, and even if it were just me, I could form my own corporation, for example, to own 1%, and I own 99%, that is a fund. To be a fund, all one has to do is make a check a box on a form when you file your tax return. Okay, and how long do you have to have this investment in the opportunity zone to have some breaks on the taxes on the profit? 
Well, there are a couple of, of timing issues that you need to be aware of. The first is from the day the taxpayer sells the asset that gives rise to the capital gain, they have 180 days to invest into a qualified opportunity zone fund. So one thing that's kind of interesting with the law is it does mirror the 1031 exchange in that the government's giving you 180 days to make a decision. Does that money have to be with an intermediary? Or no. Can the taxpayer have that fund? And, and okay. that's what's really interesting okay. as well is what makes it different from the 1031 is that number one, there is no 45 day identification period at all. And number two, there's no requirement that the taxpayer not actually take physical possession of the, the cash. Okay. So unlike a 1031 where you need a qualified intermediary, here the taxpayer can take possession of that cash and hold it until they make that investment within the 180 days. Okay, so you've got 180 days to go into the new Opportunity Zone Fund uh, and what about holding periods inside the fund? What, what are some timing issues there? The key we're achieving, our first objective is to obtain deferral right. of the tax. So if I, I achieve that deferral by just making the investment. Once I've done that, until I've disposed of that investment, I've deferred the gain. Mm -hmm. If I hold it at least five years, then I get a 10% boost in my basis. So therefore, 10% of the gain is gone forever, permanently. If I hold it for another two years, so it's seven year total, I now get another 5% boost in basis. And so therefore, there's another 5%. So if I can hold that investment at least seven years, I've, I permanently avoid the 15% uh, of the gain. The difference, the key difference between us and a uh, opportunity zone and a 1031 is a 1031 I can roll over roll over roll over the, the gain could never be triggered mm -hmm. in this case the gain will be taxed no matter what in the year 2026 so on my 2027 tax return I will report that gain that I recognize what does that tell you what that tells you is in reality you need to make that investment this year or next year in order to get the full seven-year opportunity because if I, if I, for example, invest in 2020, that gain's gonna be taxed in 2026, I'll have only held it six years, so I will only have achieved the 10% permanent yeah. deferral. The, the other thing is, you know, and there are other tax benefits to the investment, Tim and I'll get to in a, in a minute, uh, but when you look at, you know, this, this deferral benefit and the timing, it's important to note, as Tim said, that if you maximize the holding period through 2026, uh, then what'll happen is you still have to pay tax on 85% of the gain. And so a lot of clients say, well, gosh, where's that money coming from? And the answer is, remember, you didn't have to reinvest your basis, only your gain. So one of the planning tools should be that when the taxpayer actually executes the sale that is giving rise to the taxable event, make sure within that basis, you're planning with your tax advisors to set aside the necessary cash to pay that capital gain, the remaining capital gain, that's going to become due in 2026. So you've got to keep that liquidity planning in mind. Right, but you've used that, uh, you've used that equity for that amount of time. 
you've put it to work, right? It's, it's the same yeah. value as a 1031. Yeah. You've taken dollars you'd otherwise give the government, and the government's not going to give you any return on your capital, and you've been able to put that capital to work for your benefit. So it's a significant wealth-building tool. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a short break, and I'm going to get uh, Ricky and Tim to give us some actual examples of things that are being done now that you might consider to do in Opportunity Zones. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like access to invest in institutional quality commercial real estate with experienced sponsors with small amounts of money? Of course you would. Visit realcrowd.com. Choose between core, core plus, value add, or opportunistic. Visit realcrowd.com. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I am Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Arbor Crowd. Check them out for crowdfunding for commercial real estate at arborcrowd.com. Well, today we're talking about opportunity zones. My guests are Ricky Novak, CEO with the Strategic Group, and Tim Pollock. He's a partner with Morris, Manning, and Martin. And gentlemen, we're talking about the deferral of taxes on assets that you sold by reinvesting in a fund that's in an opportunity zone that's investing in, in business or real estate. So let's talk about once you do that, what are the types of, of opportunities that you can invest in that work for this opportunity zone? So can you buy uh, an existing property that's already operating and doing fine, or do you need to invest in a redevelopment type of project? I, the perfect candidate is ground up construction. Okay. And why is that? Because the other requirement is the property that to qualify has to have been acquired by purchase after January 1. And after you purchase an existing property, which all real estate land all exists, so it's all existing, one needs to spend at least as much as the purchase price over the next 30 months. And so ground up construction is ideal and a very, very substantial rehabilitation when you're talking about real estate would be ideal. And it kind of goes back to the very start of this conversation of what is the reason the government put this in place, right? And what they don't want to have happen, you know, I'll use the example, it's like TARP, right? In the TARP program post-recession, government gave all this capital to the banks and the banks did nothing with it. They sat on it, right? The capital was there to supposedly incentivize more lending to get the credit markets unfrozen and it never really happened that way. So what the government wants here is because the goal here is redevelopment, producing jobs, 
jobs, producing you know mixed income housing and whatnot. You know they want to know that once you buy the property in the zone, you don't just sit on it, but within a reasonable amount of time, and in this case, 30 months is what they picked. You spend as much on you know developing the property as you spent on acquiring the property to begin with. One last caveat to that that's interesting is you don't have to use money from the fund in order to do those improvements. The capital for improvements can come from anywhere. So, you know, it could be that, you know, a taxpayer invests in a fund that acquires the property, but then the development capital, the fund, you know, the the sponsors of the fund find that capital from other sources. So it including they could borrow it. Correct. There are a lot of different alternatives there to make sure that capital gets infused into redevelopment. Right. So there's no prohibition on uh, debt leverage. Correct. Okay. So they can even use debt to, to as the initial investment. Right. And, okay. and and given, you know, again, we are talking about areas that are in the process of regentrification. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes debt ratios can be a little harder to come by. But I, I will, you know, echo Tim's sentiment from earlier on. While the concept was, quote unquote, blighted areas that needed to be redeveloped, quite frankly, what happened, the way these zones got picked is the governor of every state sent a list to the IRS and Treasury. The IRS and Treasury then took outdated census data overlaid it on that list and anywhere there was overlap they said great that's an opportunity zone well in a lot of markets you know you go to you'll get Fulton Market in Chicago that's been under a massive redevelopment since Google and Soho House kind of moved into that area a lot of Fulton Market is an opportunity zone but much like the west side of Atlanta or the old fourth ward in Atlanta you'd look at it and say this area is already in the middle of redevelopment, so you kind of can pick your points here and lower your risk profile in what you invest in. All right, and let's talk about the appreciation in this reinvestment property in the opportunity zone. What happens with the appreciation and cash flow during the whole period, tax-wise? We talked about deferral of the original gain transaction now, and we talked about the five-year and the seven-year and having to pay the tax on that in 2026. Put that aside, now let's refocus on the reinvestment asset. If I hold my investment in that reinvestment asset for at least 10 years, then the gain on the disposition of our interest in that asset is tax-free. What? Yeah. (laughs) Tax-free? That is the juice that has everybody more excited, particularly those who said, I was already going to develop, I already had my capital in effect, Investors were already interested in it. What a great little cherry on top of the sundae. There's a lot of squeeze in that juice. Right. <laughs> There's, wow, that's incredible. So you could, so let's say that example, you bought a million dollar piece of land, you put a million dollar renovation or, or building on it, and you hold it 10 years, maybe it's worth five million, you've got $3 million of tax-free appreciation that that's the the amazing part of this program (laughs) what has so many people excited is is you know it's very similar to a Roth IRA right Mm -hmm. you make your investment and then all your growth and appreciation is tax-free so here you know go to some of these examples we've talked about you know if you go into an area and you're a first mover in redevelopment if the area ends up booming and you're a first mover you know your appreciation is typically significant same about imagine you know we talked about you can also invest in businesses that are new businesses that are in these these areas 
you know, imagine investing a million dollars in the next Google uh, and it just takes off and then all of that appreciation on that stock is tax-free. It, it's an amazing opportunity. No yeah, problem. so let's talk about that a little more. So you can also invest in a, a business. So let's say that I've sold a $5 million property. I've got a million dollars of, of uh, gain uh, that or tax is it gain or tax that I have to reinvest? It's the gain, the, the capital gain. The gain. So I had a million dollars of gain, so I could invest that million dollars in a business that has to be kind of a new business in the opportunity zone. Yeah, I mean, what, what you've got to do is you've got to be able to go out and identify that this is newly issued stock for a new business that is being started within the zone. So it could be completely new. You could be an existing company that starts a subsidiary company, you know, that's a new venture in the zone. Um, so those are the opportunities that you would be looking okay. for. So let's use an example as if I was going to open a, a commercial real estate brokerage firm in, in Chicago uh, in, a, in an opportunity zone area, then that would be a new entity. I could issue stock for my company and it would qualify. If it's 90% of its tangible assets have to be located in that zone and it has to qualify as a um, opportunity zone property I think is what Ricky referred to it which means that all of its assets 90% of that have to have been acquired by purchase after January 1 so for example if you had a computer equipment and whatnot you would need to buy new equipment right and so yep. if you have a startup business or an expanding business uh, and you're looking for capital, this might be a great opportunity. Well, not only that, but think about you know people that are involved in you know both developing and then owning operations for certain real estate, right? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, self storage facilities, uh, you know, hospitality, where it's possible that not only may you, you might own the the building and the land, but you also own the operations. You know, this is a, an opportunity to look at it. Um, also, it's important to note they did carve out you know certain quote unquote sin businesses. Um, so if if you know. The, the business involves, you know, alcohol and tobacco. Um, you know, interestingly, they they included golf courses as sin businesses, mm -hmm. which I thought was funny. I guess it only applies if you play on Sundays. I don't know. <laughs> um, but you know, they had their list of kind of the the bad boy carve outs, if you will, of what doesn't qualify. So uh, we're safe lawyers and brokers. We're not uh, we're not sin businesses, right? Yeah, there there, there, there was a Michael Bull carve out clause, but apparently uh, somebody at the last minute struck it from the legislation. So that's good. That's good. Well, what are the, some other ideas and, and uh, that where people can use these opportunity funds for for businesses or for real estate or, or for funding? I think that we've been focused so far on the opportunity to defer the gain on my prior investment, right? Mm -hmm. But now let's switch the roles around and say, I'm a real estate developer, just use that as an example. And I've typically brought in other people's money to be my equity. And my typical waterfall might be, you know, return of money, 10% uh, preferred return, and then we split everything beyond that, 30% to me, the developer, and 70% to the equity investor. Because of the tax benefits offered here, we might be able to take advantage of this and say, investor, instead we're going to do a 6% pref instead of a 10, and maybe we're going to split the back end 50-50. So there's an opportunity in the capital stack to perhaps obtain cheaper money. Okay. And that 
property's cash flow will be taxed as ordinary income during the whole period, right? Life is as usual during the whole period. Okay. Any kind of operating results pass through just like they would have under prior law. But if that $2 million uh, property is now worth five when I sell it, then there's your juice, like we'd right. mentioned before. That, that's right. And, three million. And, and you know, Tim, Tim's spot on. You know, our, our firm is, is, you know, established multiple opportunity zone funds at this point. And what we are finding is, you know, we're, we're in a, a market uh, where there's an abundance of capital. So it's become highly competitive. Um, and because there's so much equity looking uh, for good quality real estate deals, by having taxed advantage capital, you know, you have the ability to be slightly more competitive. So go back to 1031 exchanges. You know, one of the big complaints that the outside world always had against 1031 money is when 1031 money was chasing investment opportunities, because that money was taxed advantaged and what was being considered by the investor, the taxpayer, was tax savings as part of their overall planning, they might be willing to overpay for an asset slightly because they're baking into it their tax savings. You've got a little bit of that here. You know, does it mean that, it, that the, the capital is going to be 30% less expensive than other capital in the market? No, but it means when you get down to the bidding war of which capital as a developer you're going to take, chances are opportunity zone capital might be slightly more advantaged for you to take. And this is important. Look at what we're talking about here. We're talking about investments that are targeted to be 10 years. This is patient capital. This is capital that doesn't expect to be liquidated and returned with three to five or even seven years. This is 10-year money, so it can be much more patient in the capital stack, and that's a huge positive. Right, we're, and if you're investing in a new business or a re re big renovation or a new development project, you want to be patient anyway, right? right. Uh, so because we've got immediate cash flow. Although I will tell you, one of the friction points here is a lot of our clients are essentially merchant builders, and if they're on the developer side, they want to be in and out within three years, let's just say. And so one of the issues we've been trying to struggle with is, do we have some kind of put your call options to get you know, the developer an avenue to get out before the 10-year period? Um, that's just one of the issues. Some of the developers said, no, I'm, I'm hoping to get my promoters capital gain anyway, so I'll, I'll wait the whole period as well and uh, get mine tax-free. Yeah. Well, what's the biggest question that you guys get from, from people that maybe we haven't covered well enough when they're looking at Opportunity Zone op opportunities? I think the number one thing is people want definitive answers. Yeah. And the problem or challenge is currently, you know, whenever a new law comes out, mm -hmm. The, you know, you get the tax code, and that is kind of the skeletal system of what the rule is. Mm -hmm. But then you need the treasury regulations to come out, and that's kind of the, the meat, so to speak, that goes on the bone that really gives you all of the moving part detail. Mm -hmm. We don't even have draft treasury regulations to start reviewing. So there are a lot of fundamental questions that exist that, you know, when you've got a firm like ours that's launching Opportunity Zone funds, we're having to communicate with good, smart attorneys like Tim and his team and, and others around the country to try to come to a communal consensus on what we think the law is going to say once we get those treasury regulations. But because we don't have them, there are just a lot of question marks that no one can give definitive answers on. And that, you know, obviously can 
lead to a little risk. If you don't have good, sharp people involved, you get a little of the wild, wild west where people shoot from the hip without really knowing. So it's important that those that are listening to the program understand, make sure that you're working with good quality advisors that really can tell you what you need to know because we're already seeing funds being launched where the people that are sponsoring the funds don't really understand what they're doing and the law firms they have behind them aren't really experts in detailed tax focus issues like these. Tim, do you see the and same? The, I, I do, but let me just put an exclamation point on it. The law went into effect January 1. You have 180 days to reinvest. 180 days has already gone by for people, say, who realized the gain in January. There are so many unanswered questions that everybody has to take their advice and say, what do we predict will be the point, the Treasury's perspective on this going forward? And you take a guess. And there, there's a tremendous risk on that because I've got 180 days, I put my money in. The, the other question that comes up all the time is, okay, once I put my money in the fund, then I've accomplished my deferral, right? Right. Is that risky too? Or is that that, not? that part's not risky, okay. assuming they're going to check the box. What's okay. risky is whether that entity that I invested in is going to qualify as down the road. And the big question is, okay, I'm fund. I'm collecting all these money from all these investors. How much time do I have to take that money and get it deployed? Mm-hmm. We think there's a test at the end of the year. We thought, you know, this is a big debate going on. How much ramp up time do we have to be able, you know, we have 30 months supposedly to invest for rehab or construction. How does that dovetail with the fact that they're going to do a test on December 31st as to whether 90% of my assets are in good assets? By the way, cash is not a good asset. Going back to Ricky's point, nobody's interested, the government's not interested in someone putting cash in an entity and having that cash in a bank account. Right. Okay. Yeah, I think this is a big important point because there is no clear guidance as to how quickly the fund has to deploy the capital once the taxpayer funds into the Opportunity Zone Fund. Mm-hmm. And there is no clear answer right now, um, and it's certainly probably one of the biggest questions that's out there for sure. Yeah, it would seem like a safety net from outside looking in as a broker is that, well, if, if, the, if my cash was invested in, in a real asset, inside that fund within 180 days, I'd feel more comfortable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and that gets back to the comment of different types of funds that are out there, right? There yeah. are some funds that are kind of, think about what the goal of an investor is. Some people want diversification when they invest. Mm-hmm. Others really want to kind of cherry pick, if you will. So if you make an investment into an asset specific fund that has a definitive timeline to deploy the capital, before the Treasury regulations get out, you can say, look, I know for a fact my money is getting deployed by X date once I go into the fund. Mm-hmm. If instead you go into a diversified fund, well now that fund may invest in multiple assets. It may be harder to determine when all that capital gets deployed. So once Treasury regs come out, I think you'll see, you know, everyone will be a lot more comfortable in that decision making. And I think you'll see, you know, investors kind of a lot more comfortable in investing in diversified fund portfolios. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll have some options, I think, yeah. is what we're getting at. Well, I think another big aspect of this is just the benefit of investing in properties, if you're investing in properties that are in the Opportunity Zone, because it, you, you're investing in an area that hopefully is going to do well because of this opportunity 
Zoom issue, right? There's going to be people, and when people are investing around you, it's like if you could buy a small town and, re, and, and redo the entire town, everything goes uh, goes up, right? Yeah, like the rising tide lifts all, all boats. boats. Yeah. Right. So you hopefully, if you're getting that opportunity zone investment, you, you've got that as well. So if for some reason um, you don't have tax-free on the appreciation of that replacement property, hopefully, well, you were in a property that you held for 10 years that was in a blighted area <laughs> that right. has gone up in value, right? Yeah, right. Right. So, so it sounds like a great program. Uh, it, it sounds like it's got benefits from 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 the beginning through through to the end. Uh, and just what a remarkable program, gentlemen! Great information. Thanks for joining us and, and sharing it with the country. Absolutely You're very welcome. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. And if you like more information, we'll have links on the show to more information to figure out if your property, maybe you have a property, you want to see if it's in an opportunity zone. Uh, maybe you want to invest in businesses. Maybe you want to invest in funds. Maybe you want to invest in real estate. We'll have some more links for you. Just visit the show website at CREshow.com. You're also welcome to reach out to my guest. Uh, their information will be there or reach out to me personally. Thank you for joining us on the show. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Well done. Boom. Solid. Invest alongside real estate experts, sponsors who have a successful track record and skin in the game. It's as easy as one, two, three. Learn about the deals, make your investment, and grow your financial wealth. Visit arborcrowd.com. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Promote your business to the U.S. commercial real estate industry. Click advertise at the show website, CREshow.com.